sanctuary, an oasis in a flood, a psycho, dry clothes, warmth and a welcome. Wait, what was that? A psycho? Hi, and welcome to Dark Christmas Tales Advent Calendar. This tale is called Bells, written by Angela Blythe and read by the author. The rain began a couple of weeks before Christmas. There was a weather warning for the first two days of the storms. The next day was worse. The television news said that there could be a loss of life. Heavy rain had stalled and was pivoting over the moors. On the hill above the village, it wasn't too bad. The peat was still soggy even at the beginning, but hour after hour it slowly got more waterlogged. It didn't help that the moors runoff drained into the river, which on the second day burst its banks. That was before the worst of it. We had been given some sandbags, but the water level was higher than the bags now. Dirty water began to trickle into our houses. Everyone unplugged their Christmas tree lights as the water crept up to their electricity sockets. The village went dark. Some people had already gone to relatives for Christmas and some had not been invited, but had descended on their families' homes anyway in desperation when they thought that it was beginning to get a little too dangerous. As long as the dam didn't burst a couple of miles away, we would be all right. As long as that didn't happen. There was only one way in and out of my village. The army said that we must evacuate, but some people wouldn't go as their cats were out. Others didn't want to leave their houses as they were just stubborn. I knew that it was the category that I fell into. There was one place high up, one area that never got flooded. We didn't go there. No one went there. We should have been welcome there and felt like this was our second home. Unfortunately, the church on the hill was governed by a priest that was all hellfire and damnation. He really did hold his church and its congregation to the strict teachings of the good book. He was very enthusiastic about it. He did not bend the rules or make the scripture fit the modern world. With this attitude, he had angered and upset many people. He seemed to have relatives that were high up in the church as they didn't remove him. Father Cyril did not tolerate minorities, divorcees or children born out of wedlock. That was just the beginning. The priest didn't even venture down to the little house that was the vicarage, supposedly his home. He just lived in the back of the church now and people who sometimes walked past there with their dogs could hear him shouting and preaching to a non-existent congregation. He was the village's dirty secret. We could see him watching the goings on that evening. The double church doors were open wide. The light shining behind him from the church silhouetted the priest. His hands on his hips, he watched as his former congregation had vengeance rain down upon them. When the dam finally burst its banks, we had little time to get safely away. We heard it all right, even above the sound of the torrential rain. The thunder and mighty roar of the water rushing down the valley was deafening. It shook the ground. 
The force of the water would be too much for our houses. We could see the disaster coming towards us, somehow white and glowing in the moonlight as the frothy waves powered downwards. Trees were uprooted and the remaining villages began to run. There was only one way to run, higher ground. The other way was definitely cut off now from the outside world. So we ran to save our lives upwards towards the moors. None of us thought that we would be welcome in the priest's home, and that is how we thought of it rather than the church. If there was any other shelter, we probably would have gone there instead. This was why it was so surprising when he began to ring the bells in the church. He's offering us shelter, one lady said, who was struggling to hold her three cats. He's mental though, isn't he? The teenage lad commented. That was the general consensus of the village. That he is, lad, an older man said, nodding. Cuckoo he is. Maybe he's thought about things and got it out of his system, the young mum said, holding her baby. We all thought about it. With the waters quickly rising behind us, there was nowhere else to go, and we didn't know how far the water would come up or when we would get rescued. Apart from the batty priest, the church was a no-brainer. The water could never reach that high up the moors. It looked warm and dry. How bad could it be there? There were close to twenty of us. We could get through it together. The bells continued to ring. We had little choice but to begin the walk upwards in the pouring rain. As we got close to the church grounds, the bells stopped. He must have seen us approach somehow and rushed out of the belfry to meet us. Our eyes had got used to the dark and rain. The first that we saw of him was his silhouette, the light inside blinding this close. He looked like salvation. Come on, everyone! Father Cyril shouted, come in! I had high hopes that everything was going to be merry here, as I noticed that he'd hung a wreath on both front doors. When we walked inside, the place was warm and dressed for Christmas. I felt a bit sorry for him now, thinking about how he had made it lovely for his villagers and no one ever turned up. Perhaps the lady was right, and he had finally got the fire and brimstone out of his system. He had a big smile on his face, and his arms were outstretched, welcoming us wholeheartedly. Come in and take refuge in God's house. What terrible rains are coming down, Father Cyril commented. Everyone trooped in, and he shut the door behind us. The damp, cold night was gone. We were lucky to be in the warm and light. Who knew when we would get back to our houses? For a short while there, Christmas felt like it had been cancelled. But now, sitting here in the peaceful atmosphere of the church with all the decorations around us, I began to feel like everything would be all right in the end. He offered us hot drinks and sandwiches. It had turned out to be a good thing for all of us that he did actually live up here, as there were plenty of refreshments. I could see, in a way, how he was able to communicate with God even more here alone and apart from any distractions, day and night. Although I couldn't have done that, I would have been far too lonely. But I suppose when you choose the life of a priest, 
It's a pretty solitary world as it is. We drunk and ate, while the rain beat down on the windows. A couple of them had buckets underneath, where the water was dripping through the stained glass. But that wasn't enough to bother Father Cyril, or us. Sadly, the pews didn't look very comfortable. They seemed to be just carved oak wood, with a bit of felt stretched over. However, beggars can't be choosers, and again this was preferable to the soggy peat on the moors, or even being drowned in our own houses. The older man, who was called Graham, took a look outside after about an hour. He said that he couldn't see much down in the village, as the water had taken out the street lights. He was sure that the village looked different somehow, as if the dam's waters had levelled some buildings. A couple of us began to cry, but Father Cyril said that it was all in God's plan. Everything would be all right, have faith. We wanted to believe it. We had to believe it to get through the night. It was a lie we accepted as truth, and we all knew it. Father Cyril hadn't forgotten how to be a priest. Perhaps it was time to come back here and give him another chance. He had saved our lives, after all. If we hadn't been able to get in here, we would have had to stay on the moors on a soaking wet December night. Indeed, the children and the elderly would have suffered greatly if that had been the case. Father Cyril advised us that we should try and get a bit of sleep. He was hopeful that by the morning circumstances would have changed for us. This was the darkest day, but tomorrow would be glorious. We were happy to hear that. As Graham said, whatever happened, at least we could see what had gone on in the village when it was daylight. Perhaps they would be able to send a helicopter for us. Father Cyril turned the main lights off and lit some candles so that it was more of a peaceful atmosphere. We were all very exhausted and incredibly stressed because of the circumstances of the previous few days. The wind and rain beating against the church windows kept us awake for a while, but slowly each one of us dropped off. I opened my eyes after a scant hour and blurrily saw Father Cyril walking up and down with his candle. I heard someone get up, probably to use the toilet. There was a bang in the dark. I heard some more movement. I had the idea that someone had just stubbed their toe stumbling around the unfamiliar church in nearly the pitch black. Later, the sound of one of the children crying woke me. It wasn't the most comfortable night that we could have had. Hard wooden benches and wet clothes weren't a recipe for success. I wanted to be unconscious for a few hours, to not think about how my house might be levelled or how long it would take the village to get back to normal. But I kept being disturbed by people walking around and the constant trekking up and down of Father Cyril with his candle. I got the impression that he was helping people find the toilet, which I suppose was very kind of him, but church floorboards don't half creak. Tomorrow, Father Cyril would be very tired, but could be confident that he had done everything he could for his parishioners. The noises slowly calmed down until it was absolutely silent. That was probably about four o'clock in the morning. Not long after that, Father Cyril tapped me on the shoulder. Could I have a word with you, please, dear? He whispered. 
I couldn't imagine what he wanted to talk about. Perhaps there were more problems that the others weren't aware of. Everyone else was fast asleep in the dark church. I stood up, wobbling slightly, and followed the father, who slowly made his way across the church to his office, holding his candlestick high to give us both some light. He asked me to sit on the chair in his office, which was very dark. Father Cyril closed the door and took his place behind the desk. Still there was no light outside. The rain and wind beat against the black glass. The thick leaded window panes gave no visibility out into the night. I had no clues to the state of what was happening in the valley. In here it was like a black cell, a place of private deeds. I didn't like it. So what I would like to talk to you about is the state of this village, Father Cyril said. I don't know how it will end up tomorrow. I said, rubbing my eyes. I thought this could have waited until the morning, but perhaps all the pacing up and down made him believe that it was too important to wait. I don't mean that, Father Cyril said. I think you know what I mean. I was exhausted. I had more to think about than having a chat with Father Cyril while he was bored. I'm sorry, Father, I said. I'm not getting you. I'm half asleep. Please explain it to me. I don't want to be rude, but I really would like to get a few more hours of sleep before I have to face tomorrow. There's a much bigger picture than that, isn't there? You will have to face him at one point. And can you honestly say that you've lived a good life? Father Cyril said. I thought I was hearing things. Did Father Cyril really want to start preaching right now? or moaning about how we were all going to hell. I've prayed for this, Father Cyril said. I've prayed for this night. Do you mean for people to come back into your church? I asked. No, for the rains to come and wipe out the evildoers in our midst, Father Cyril announced excitedly. I really have, and my prayers have been answered. I was beginning to wake up now. You think this is your doing? Are you saying that you prayed for the village to be flooded and for everyone to die? I asked. Yes, well, in a way I did. I asked that all the evil people in the village would be wiped out, that God would show his might and take them. I thought it would teach the others a lesson. The borderline sinners. Sadly, it seems that everyone deserved it. That wasn't my choice. I only asked for the reckoning not for death. That was up to him. And the people who were doing all the sinning, Father Cyril said. I think I'm going to go back in there now. I don't want to hear this. I'm not in the mood, Father Cyril, I said. I was starting to get a terrible feeling about this situation. Fornicators, liars, cheats, killers, thieves, the Ten Commandments and more have all been flouted in this village. Let's face it, they can't even set foot in this church because of their behaviour. What hope do they have? Father Cyril asked. Their behaviour? It's because of your behaviour that they don't come. This village is a good village with lots of nice people. 
They just don't fit into your cookie-cutter idea of a perfect parishioner. If you weren't so twisted, you'd see that, I shouted. And do you know what? I'd rather take my chances on the moors than being here with you. I see ungratefulness as one of your bad qualities, Father Cyril said. After the hospitality that I've shown you, the food and drink, the dry bed. I'm not surprised, though. All of you are the same. Even faced with the day of reckoning, you still can't behave. Evil through and through. I wasn't going to be civil with him any more. I put my hands on the chair to get up and go out. I was still wobbly on my feet and half asleep. I decided to get the others and take them out. The seat was wet and I noticed the floor was wet too. I was so angry with him. Do you know what? I was going to give you another chance, I said. I was going to come back here in the new year as one of your parishioners. But now I'm going to tell each and every person that I meet what a psycho you are. And you need a bucket in here as well. The floor is wet and the seat. Now just as I've dried off, you have ensured that I have a wet arse. Thank you very much for everything. I slammed open the vestry door, marching back out. It was very dark in the church, and it did not have the benefit of Father Cyril's candle anymore. Everyone, I shouted, wake up, wake up now. I shoot the first person. We were all exhausted. I imagine that, like me, they had probably been disturbed all night and had only just gone asleep. I rushed to the next pew along. Wake up, I shouted, we need to go. It would be light soon anyway. I wanted to get out of here, for all of us to leave this crazy zealot to his own devices again. I heard Father Cyril's footsteps behind me. The people didn't stir. No one woke up. Father Cyril was next to me by this time, his candlelight shining on the figure below. Where my hand had been shaking their yellow coat, there was a red handprint. I couldn't understand how this had happened until I looked at my hands, which were covered in blood. The wet seat wasn't soaked with rainwater. I shoot the person on the pew again. It just happened to be the teenage boy who thought that Father Cyril was mental. As I turned him over, I noticed how his head was caved in at the back. I quickly glanced at all the people lying on the pews. Yes, it was dark, stopping me seeing most of the details but none of them moved, even to breathe. What have you done? I whispered. Cleansed them, Father Cyril replied. He blew out the candle, before raising the candlestick high above his head. Sinner, he hissed, as I felt the candlestick sweeping through the air towards me. That was a dark Christmas tale. Written and read by Angela Blythe. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about further stories in this series or my other work, please go to www.angelablythe.com. Mm-hmm.